Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we've got uh, Angie Grant and Jess Aaron, who are ETC Cultivate Connection facilitators. And so they uh, have gone through our most recent round of Cultivate Connection facilitator training. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, Cultivate Connection is the ETC parenting course we teach. It's a nine-week course, and we'll talk a little bit about it in the episode today. Um, If you have not heard about it yet, there are uh, several episodes where we talked about uh, the curriculum. We went through all of the connecting practices from the curriculum this summer, so be sure to check that out. Uh, but the two of them joined us today to talk about how important it is to find your tribe. Um, as you begin parenting in general, but especially if you're trying to parent in a more connected way um, that is, you know, I'd say countercultural for most of us, um, it is imperative to find your tribe, your support, uh, the people who are going to um, have your back and um, keep you accountable and to keep you um, feeling seen and known and heard and all of that as you move forward. Um, so they talked uh, extensively about that and in their own personal stories and in how they have viewed that for others as well. And so um, really, really great episode. You're going to love both of them. Um, just really, really great, great people. So a huge thanks for them to coming on. And um, without any further ado now, here they are, Angie Grant and Jess Aaron. Well, we're here today with uh, Becca McKay in studio and um, special guests, Angie Grant and Jess Aaron. And so they're going to talk with us today about uh, a lot of different things, but namely just kind of how how you find your people in this process when you start parenting in a different way, um, the importance of and kind of just how they found their people and um, and why that was important for them. And so um, why don't we just start, I guess, guys, Angie and, and Jess, if you don't mind just introducing yourselves and uh, telling us a little about yourself and then we'll go from there. Sure. Um, I'm Angie Grant and I live in uh, Midlothian, Virginia, actually Chesterfield, Virginia. And uh, so that's a long way from Memphis, I think. I'm not even sure. Um, But uh, yeah. And so we've been involved with foster care and adoption ministry for probably the last um, 10 years. I was my little guy is 12 now and uh, was adopted out of foster care from uh, the time he went well in our home at two and then adopted by four. And um, we did not originally have a village. So I'll talk a little bit about that as we kind of get rolling. Um, And that's why I love this topic, because you definitely definitely need a village. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. All right. So, yeah, I'm Jessica Aaron. A lot of people call me Jess. I'm from Anderson, Indiana. And really similar to Angie, we um, are in the adoption foster kinship care ministry at our church with the leaders there. Um, and we have been in it for about 10 years. And um adopted both of our two kiddos. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a great journey. We love it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, You know, part of the reason that we thought to kind of even just have this conversation is in thinking about the idea of of we're all human in this series. um, (laughs) We talked about needing to kind of go back to the basics and, and talk about trauma. We talk about the effects of it all the time on the show, but we, we hadn't talked about it directly. 
and same goes for this idea of having your own um, tribe or, or group that uh, that supports you um, as you get started in this. Because I know that we, for for my wife and I, when we um, started in this journey, you know, we moved to Memphis when our kids were 11 months and three months old, and there weren't a third and fourth one yet. And um, I just I just thought at some point early on in that journey, we were drowning. We were just like drowning. And, and luckily for us, we were fortunate enough to just happen to be in a place where there already was an ecosystem of um, people and professionals kind of supporting um, people or supporting families of, of various different structures. And so for us, it, it was hard to come to grips with admitting we were struggling, but then once we did, we sort of had some support and, and some people in place to start walking through that with. Um, was that Angie? I'll ask you first. I wonder if that was kind of y'all same experience or, or if you, um, you mentioned it being harder to find or you didn't have that group at first. And so would you mind just sharing the process of, for you guys and earlier on that journey? Yeah. I mean, early on, we entered foster care world just with rose colored glasses thinking we had three biological kids. They were almost grown at that time. Um, Middle schooler was the youngest in the house. And then the rest were, um, you know, juniors and seniors Uh, felt like we did a pretty good job raising them. And so we thought, why not bring in some more? Right. How Um, hard could it be? Um, And then it got really hard. Um, And then it was really hard. And um, my husband and I are in full time ministry. He's a leader pastor. We planted our church 25 years ago and have been at the same church the whole time and and just really felt like, one, um, our eyes were kind of open to just all things foster care and not really knowing what was in our backyard. And so as ministry leaders, that was a huge piece for us. Like, oh my gosh, one, we were doing it without help um, and desperately needed help. And But then there's this piece of you and probably Jess, you can relate to this too there's this piece of you that though kept saying in my mind like but you signed up for this Mm. right but but this is your deal like you didn't you asked for this yeah so i think that made um trying to incorporate a village or ask for help or kind of raise this i surrender flag made it almost harder because um, this was something that we stepped into. Um, and so we began to feel this responsibility on our own, but then really realizing that when it really did get hard, we needed supports and areas um, that we weren't equipped in. Yeah. So that's kind of our journey. Jess, what about y'all? So we started out just uh, with a phone call out of the blue that a baby was in the hospital ready to be taken home. And so we just jumped right in. So um, we did not have any biological kiddos. So I think that just became like the norm for us. We didn't know any different. Um, And we just thought, okay, yeah, we're going to be great at this because we had great parents. Um, We were in ministry, been in ministry for a long time. So, you know, working with youth, we thought, oh, we got this. We know kids inside and out. Right. Uh, But yeah. Uh, it was it was tough, you know, and I think the kicker was um, we didn't realize we needed um, some, I guess, a tribe or a village until our kiddo got into school. And that's when it's like, oh, like every other family and. Help and to figure out is this bad parenting? Am I, you know, what am I doing wrong? What's going on here? And there wasn't that support in our area um, that was in 
important to me to be Christ-centered, um, but, you know, there might have been some, you know, post-foster uh, placement um, things out there that people could connect to, but nothing for our situation. And so that's where we kind of just decided, hey, we're going to have to do something here and find some help. And we got connected to ETC through the conference, like, you know, 10 or 11 years ago when it was the ETC conference and now Hope for the Journey. Um, That's where we started and realized that, no, we're not bad parents. And this is, you know, this is something that we have to to try to figure out what's going on here, but we desperately needed that help uh, to figure out what was going on. I'm just really resonating with both of y'all because I feel like a lot of families are just kind of thrown into this, into this world. And I think some organizations or some states, they might prepare folks better than others, but in general, there's just a big gap between what we like, what we kind of promote and say publicly and people's like real experience in their homes. And, um, you know, as a social worker by trade, I'm always trying to connect people with resources. And I think it can be really, really tough for people who live somewhere that just doesn't have a lot of resources. We've got some areas and, you know, one of our hopes as an organization is to continue to build a network of resources over time, but it takes time and it takes the right people and it takes, you know, the right motivation. And so I think just thinking about folks who are like jumping into it and they know they need help. Maybe they don't know who to ask, or maybe there's nothing in their area. So I think I've heard a lot of stories similar to yours, Jessica, of like, the first thing we did was we just like came to Empower to Connect, started learning about trauma. That's the first thing we did. And then it kind of like grows over time through your church or through your ministry or your nonprofit. Um, And so I think, yeah, I'm just resonating with y'all, man. It's so hard when you realize I need help yesterday and I don't know what to do right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and why don't we talk about that moment too? Because I, I can think of a specific moment and I, I can still smell and see everything around me in that that moment. But I wonder if either of y'all had um, kind of that first moment of the first conversation of surrender, if you wouldn't mind sharing that. So I think the moment came for me when I was sitting with my son's early um, elementary teacher. And she could not contain him in the classroom. He was bouncing off the walls and touching kiddos and falling in the floor and able to follow instructions. And um, I was, you know, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have answers for the teacher. And it came down to her just saying, well, I think it's down to bad parenting. And my world shattered. <laughs> Um, I just, my heart's racing now just even recalling that moment because I knew I wasn't a bad parent, right? but I didn't have answers to tell the teacher what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm like, I have got to figure this out. Why can't, um, he can't contain himself in the classroom when at home we're doing okay. We're, you know, we've adjusted at home and all of these things are going okay at home, but in the classroom, it just wasn't working. And so that sent me in the world I could do to help my kiddo. Gosh. One, Jess, I would like for us to figure out how to go have a talk with that teacher and, uh, <laughs> and maybe give her yeah. some bedside manner conversations because yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough. Um, Angie, do you remember, do you remember your first moment like that? 
Well, I tell you, you know, I was thinking back to kind of my journey with ETC and and I too like dove into the conference first and and we I actually went to conference um the weekend we were supposed to get a placement of a little 4-year-old that was being displaced from a foster home that she was in with her sister and was extremely violent towards her little sister. She was 4. Um and basically they made the phone call and said, you know, Angie, if you don't take her like she's going to residential and i'm like she's four four years old like but i knew i needed equipping you know just with the rap sheet you know these kiddos come like their file and i always i always try to give the benefit of the doubt they're not their file they're not their file you know and and making sure that we're seeing beyond that a little bit um and i just i have a lot of experience professionally just with early childhood and and then just started reading and and filling myself up with ETC stuff and and all the good trauma um, stuff and just really thought, golly, I, I really want to take this on. And I, I can remember feeling like that. And then I remember the, the teacher phone call of, you know, she stabbed a little girl in the back with her pencil in kindergarten. Um, and, you know, I asked her why she did that. And I'm like, OK, well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> Um, but then secondly, you know, when her response was, I just wanted to see what it felt like, you know, and honestly, that probably was what she did. Um, but again, um, just really, uh, you know, my first aha moment when we're talking about village and we're talking about um, just kind of surrounding ourselves and building that community. You know, it is a conversation that we have to have with teachers and it is an education, um, you know, that we have to come alongside and do in a gentle way. Um, um, you know, because they are the professionals in in the education field. However, um, I think we would all agree that there's some training that's lacking in regards to um, kiddos with trauma in the classroom. And so really just equipping myself on how to equip that teacher and things that we were doing at home that were working at home. You know, Jess, you mentioned everything was going well at home. And it's my guess is because you were practicing connecting principles. And so the more or we can kind of all get on the same page. And I, I think that's a conversation I had with the teacher is just, you know, if we're all talking the same language, you know, this kiddo is going to go further faster than anything we could ever hope for. And so that was my goal is to go further faster. And I do feel like ETC helped us to do that. Um, we, we were able to go further faster. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So our school world was our aha moment as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that for all of us, we've got moments and it could be school. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of families deal with that. Right. And that's why, you know, a few gosh, this is now I think about a month and a half ago, but um, we put out and Becca created and Tana created this these school forms, like forms for you to be able to send with your kid to, to school to help out. And it. And it resonates so deeply because so many of us have had that experience of just needing to prepare, right. And needing to prepare, um, teachers. And, um, I wonder if you guys have learned anything over the, over the day, like in terms of uh, specifically connecting with schools, if y'all have learned anything now after several years of kind of being in this world that you feel like, Oh, before school starts every year, here's two or three ways that, that we help equip our teachers, um, as they can I help them get on the same team as us as we go throughout the year? 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, my little guy is 12 now and, um, you know, fully knows his story, you know, the the good, bad and the ugly, you know, age appropriately, obviously. Um, but uh, giving them a glimpse into that, it's his story to tell. So I, I'm 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 cautious as to how much I share of that. Yeah. Um, but a few things that could potentially set him off or when pushed in a corner, this is what it could look like. Um, You know, so kind of just identifying a few triggers and, and then tips on kind of what to do. Um, I actually, this is the first year I didn't do all of that. Um, And, and he's middle school now. Um, We've made a lot of strides, you know, in school. And um, so I kind of just, um, and I don't know how ETC ish this is, you know, but and I'd love to hear kind of your opinion on it. But I I just feel like I don't want that to be his identity. Sure. Um, you know, I really want him to come into his own. And and I do think, you know, there has been a lot of healing, you know, due to a lot of the tools um, that have been practiced in our home. And so, you know, I, I don't want it to be, you know, what we fall back on. Right. Um, you know, as as somewhat of a of an I don't want to say excuse because that's not even the right word, but oh, sure. um, but I but I think our kids are capable of healing and they're capable of that that brain being rewired over time, which we've learned with just trauma. And um so you know, I, I wanna see them soar. Yeah. Um and and I think you know, sometimes um the best way is to kind of let things land and handle them incident by incident instead of giving the whole thing like I used to do sure. when he was little. Yeah. <laughs> this well, is what it's going to look like. It's not pretty. About scaffold, scaffolding all the time. Yes. Meaning you do need much, much structures yes. and you do yeah. as you get as you get further along. So I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I think so too. And I think you just learn, you know, it's just case by case. Um, yeah. I think, you know, especially families that have more than one kid, what one, what works for one kid doesn't always work for the others in your home. And so I think, um, I think it's funny. You said, I don't know if it's ETC ish. I think being attuned <laughs> to what your individual child needs yeah. is very yeah. ETC ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think a lot of parents struggle with that question, Angie, which is like, how much is the right amount to share? Yeah. And so I think that's the right question. And the answer is going to vary case by case. Yeah. Um, I was a school social worker for about six years. And I'll say on the opposite side of that, we often had families who had kids with really, really severe needs and they were scared. If they told us, we would label them, we would dismiss them, we would get them in trouble, we would suspend them. And so I had to do a lot of building trust as a school professional. My job was to build trust with families so that we could be on the same page together. And I think, you know, hopefully as the trauma informed conversation continues to become kind of more and more popular and mainstream, my hope is that we have more and more schools who are willing to ask the right questions, partner with families, be on the same page. Um, Because sometimes, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes we would get kids and it would be really, really difficult because we had no context And then on the flip side, Angie, you really want to honor that that's his story to tell. And it's not your story to share with everybody that he ever meets in his whole life. And so I think it's the right question. I don't think there's one answer. I think it's families learning. Um, And I love that you're leaning towards kind of being, I'm going to be a little bit 
overprotective maybe of sharing because I really want to empower him to use his voice to share what he wants to share. Like, I think that's really insightful. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm resonating with you saying that. Like you said, I mean, not, not everybody can handle like, so there's varying levels of sharing. And sometimes that depends on the recipient, right? Like sometimes there are, there are people who, who should not know anything because they are going to instantly label somebody mm-hmm. based on pieces or parts of that story. And so mm-hmm. I think, yeah, asking that question and just being mindful of uh, your kid. And sometimes as they get older, there are those moments of plateau. We're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to let it ride for a minute and let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. As they support as they need support, we give support. And so um, I think and that's really wise too. I think you said, Jessica, like the school called you and they kind of brought up the issue in your family. Like the, I, I say the issue, they brought up like, Hey, we need to have a conversation. So I think too, as a parent, you know, parents listening, just being receptive to the conversation and helping guide, you know, it's hard because it's like you said, Angie, you want them to be the professional, but some have a lot of training, some have no training. Mm -hmm. So being, uh, being able to gently, I think you said it, Jessica, gently guide towards, okay. Like it sounds to me like they're having a hard time. So let's talk together about what might they need to help with some of that. And then I think, yeah, sharing, you know, if you do notice a pattern, like I'm thinking specifically of food for some reason in this moment, I'm like, man, if you know, your kid hates bananas, which I've experienced, like tell that to the teacher, you know what I mean? Like there's some stuff that's just like, oh, that would have been good to know because I don't care if he eats the banana, but we just got into a 28 minute thing because he thought I was going to make him eat the banana and I wasn't going to make him eat the banana. So I think there's like some things where it's just like, you know, sharing the right amount. It's there's never a one answer, but I'm just, yeah, just processing what you're saying in there. Yeah. Jess, you feel like you guys have had, you know, at now that you've been again at it for a while, you feel like you've gotten some things that, that have been helpful as you start school years. Yeah. I mean, I think for one, treating each child just independently, you know, they all have different needs. And so, you know, my, one of my kiddos, you know, we tried different styles of schooling. We went to private school and then we switched to we actually landed on homeschooling and that has been awesome um, for his scenario. But then for my other kiddo, she thrives in the classroom and loves that structure. So yeah. I think it is definitely her kid, depending on their temperament, what they've you know been through histories and stuff. I will say um, with my initial experience um, with kids that uh, early education and um, in, in my first kiddo, um, I didn't give them enough information. Mm. And so I think a little bit of compassion for the situation mm. and kind of just putting that kiddo in the same box as all the other kiddos. And when I was able to give a little more information, then they were able to uh, back off a little bit of the expectation. We talked in ETC about, you know, um, oh figuring what our expectations are and that's leveled at our kids. And so that really helped was just giving a little bit of information, not everything, but just enough for them to understand this is what's really going on on the inside of them. Yeah. That's really good. That, that's so helpful. Um, you know, shifting gears away from school, you, you mentioned just homeschool and um, obviously like b- both of you guys in ministry families, there's, there's big communal aspects to what you do. And um I feel like one common thread along this journey is that not everybody gets to be in that circle. Um, and maybe sometimes there are people who might think they need a front row seat in that circle and they, they need, they need to not be there all the time. And so I don't know if, if you guys, um, 
either of y'all have experienced that, or I would say now on the flip side, as you began to reassess, you know, your, your family's support needs around you on the friend side and kind of on the, on the peer parenting side, did you guys have, um, was it, was it kind of easy to find folks to jump in alongside with you or was that tougher process? How did that go for y'all early on? I think it could have been easier for us. We chose to make it a little harder, um, you know, for the reasons that I talked about earlier. We felt like we asked for this. We, um, you know, welcomed this into our home. And so um, but I, but I do think, you know, as seasons went on and there were, you know, indicators that we needed people to um, step in and, um, you know, help that we were more apt to do that, felt more comfortable. Um, And, you know, and and to be honest, we talk about how we need the village, but for us, like, you know, our son needs the village, you know, he, he needs that for health in his own life. And so I think a lot of times when we talk about, you know, build the village, build the tribe around you, um, it's not just our tribe or for us, but it's really for the sake of the, of the child. Um, that can become a healthy point, um, you know, in, in their walk and their journey and, and now a very welcomed, um, you know, I think about the couples that have come alongside us and typically they, they do involve like a friendship piece, um, to our son. And so that's very helpful, very organic. Um, you know, I was really out for the organic piece of, you know, let's don't make this look weird or that we've, um, we've surrendered. And that's why, you know, these people are involved. I I, I think that's, that just feels yucky to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, so the more organic we can create um, those those villages around us. And and I would say I don't know, you know, who all is watching this either. But if you're even contemplating, you know, stepping into foster care or adoption, I would say my my advice to you would be find that village now, um, you know, before it start, start talking about it, start involving them, start, you know, creating conversation, because when that moment hits, then it then it'll be a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to where you're, you know, I wish they did that. I wish they did that in state trainings of where you couldn't graduate from your class until you had your people. Um, because I, I think that that really, um, it helps things not displace. Um, it helps people not be one and done. Um, it really helps people in the long haul of things. And what I've learned, you know, in just my work in this is that, um, you know, I used to think I was burdening someone mm-hmm. by asking them to help when in reality, this was their place in it. This was their part in it. Um, and I think we forget that sometimes we think that the only way you can play a role is to have a kiddo in your home full time, 24 yeah. seven. Um, and so I was really taking away the the gift that someone else had to the table. Um, and, and so I think when I started thinking like that and, and when I started, you know, even even counseling other foster families like, you know, you're not using your respite. You know, we have wraparound ministry at our church and you're not using your respite or you haven't used respite in a couple months. Well, I just really don't want to. And I'm like, this is their jam. This yeah. is what they feel like they were created for. This is their purpose. This is their and you're robbing them of that because 
because you're not taking advantage of it. So, so kind of just flipping the script there of this isn't, you know, like babysitting, this is their place in it. This is, this is their, just like you're, you're feeling like you're called to foster and adopt. Uh, They're called to respite and they're called to be a mentor family. Um, So use them um, because that's their place in this. So good. Jess, did you have a similar experience or different when you were trying to find your people? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you feel like you shouldn't have to ask for help, that you should know what you're doing. Um, You know, it's a little bit embarrassing to admit that you don't have it all together, you know, and so it's definitely hard to, to, you know, admit those things and to go out there and seek that stuff out. But um, I think when we started just inviting people to journey with us, um, that's what, and just changing the language of, you know, we don't have all the answers here, um, but we want to journey together. And maybe you have something for me, I have something for you, and we can kind of just walk in this together. And um, bringing our families alongside has been a huge thing, um, letting the kids be with other kids, seeing families that look like them, um, and just just being authentic, honestly, and organic, like Angie said, and just letting those groups come kind of evolve that way. I think people let the guard, their guard down a little bit when um, they don't feel like someone else in the room um, is, you know, got it all together or they've done it perfectly. Right. And so it's right. a little permission to just be real. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I love that. And I'm thinking too about like, man, wouldn't it be great if parents everywhere just felt like it's okay to say I need help? <laughs> like, wouldn't that just be a game changer if like across the board in all areas, if we just were willing to be like, I need help. Um, and I just, I'm hearing both of you like coming to that realization wasn't necessarily the easiest. Like, it's not easy to say like, this is hard and I don't know what to do. And I think about, you know, different cultures do a better job, I think, of the village kind of mentality of like grandparents jumping in, uncles and aunts jumping in. And so I think in different cultures, they might do it a little differently than here in the United States. Here in the United States, we can be really isolated. Like this yeah. is our immediate family and we're supposed to be all things to our immediate family. And it's like, man, we need each other. And that's across the board. We need right. each other. Um, my husband and I don't have kids yet. And like, we need our community too. So I just think this conversation can be even broader in a good way. Like, it's like, we just, we're all human. <laughs> we're all human. We all need help. Yeah. I wonder what other, so kind of like friendships is one piece of the puzzle. I think school is a big piece of the puzzle. Can you guys think of like, if folks are out here listening, what are some other pieces of the puzzle? Maybe you have personal experience, maybe not, but what are some other pieces of the puzzle that you found to be helpful or important? I know both of y'all mentioned your church ministry and community. So what else can you think of, of like pieces of the puzzle that we need as humans? Um, You know, sometimes I had to think outside of the box when I couldn't find some support around me. So I would just go to local agencies and say, hey, can I join some of your uh, groups or your training? And sometimes they would have me, you know, pay a small fee or something because I was an outsider. Um, But that was actually really helpful for me just to be able to hear other people's stories, even though maybe I wasn't journeying directly with them. But I could just hear the conversations and feel like, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. Yeah, um, so helpful. And there's 
Yeah. And there's also like, you know, the local, our, we have a children's bureau here that would, you know, do some stuff, some support groups and different things. So I don't know, just connecting with some of those agencies that might be around, they might not be um, ideally for you, but they might have something that they could offer. Yeah. I think Jess, that's so great too, because th- like the, the proactivity and humility to go ahead and just sit with other folks, just to know that you're not alone in that. Like there is a lot of power in that. And even just that posture of like being willing to go into a room of folks you, you might not know and like sit in there, like is that I feel like in itself prepares you a little bit more to be willing to go there with your kids too. Like, I think that's really awesome. Angie, did you have a similar experience? Yeah, no, I just, you know, and, and just, um, again, the work that I do with foster families, you know, a good OT is always kind of good to have um, if you've got some sensory things going on or you're uncertain of kind of what's going on, just an eval, um, you know, can can just be helpful. And I always tell folks to do that just as a kind of a baseline um, to see if if OT can be uh, a help. And I know for many families it is. Um, I, I know I recently uh, dove in. We, you know, noticed, you know, in our 12 year old, there's some, um, you know, he's in middle school now. And, you know, when you go from elementary to middle school, it's like, it's a lot. You're yeah. now in six different classes with six different teachers and you have to be a little bit organized. And, you know, he's a stuffer, like he just stuffs everything in his backpack and it's all okay. crumpled up and it drives me crazy. Um, but just some of those executive functioning things. Um, I just recently found um, a friend of mine that actually does some therapy with with tweens and teens um, of just just with executive functioning things, uh, how to stay organized, how to, you know, um, you know, not move at the pace of a snail, you know, all those things um, organizationally that um, I just said, hey, I, I think she actually was reaching out and saying, do I know of anybody? I said, do I know of anybody like he's in my house? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. come help me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, again, it, it doesn't have to be like the whole enchilada. I, I love that now there's so many specialized things that that we can actually jump on board with and and you know it just I, I just find with with all of this and and I think you guys would agree everything is so seasonal like there there's a while where you feel like everything's good and then all of a sudden it's not you know and then right and then so you need a little bit of help and you um you know so just advocate I mean just be an advocate for uh, your child. And there is so much resourcing that's out there and available. Um, and you don't have to do it forever. You know, you don't have to, um, just for the season that you're in, um, there, there are various things that can help along in the journey. Um, those are just a few that, that we've tapped into that have been really helpful. I think that's, I think that's super helpful. Um, I wonder guys, as we kind of like start to wrap up and head for home here, like, I wonder if there's, you know, some, some overarching kind of final advice. So for people who who are listening, who might be, um, maybe they haven't yet admitted to somebody that needed help yet. Maybe they're just sitting here drowning and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so good to know. There's people out here like that are in my same shoes. Any, any advice for folks as they begin building that, that, a team or begin finding their people um, kind of final words of advice as they start out um, in this journey. I would just say, 
um, the way I've seen this work well, like find your people or or have your kiddos be part of, um, you know, your village, so to speak, um, that it really it really does your kids a, a service when you kind of divvy it out a little bit. You know, I know many foster and adoptive homes are usually lots of children um, has been kind of my, or it's a sibling group of three, or one of the best things we've done is when we provide wraparound or respite, um, we do individual families to produce that. Um, it's giving that kiddo one-on-one time they're not with their siblings. Um, there's less, you know, fighting amongst them and more focused time. And so I would just say if you're in that category of you've got a couple of kids, you know, and, and you're trying to find a respite or, you know, one night a month or, you know, a way um, to really kind of find a few families that can come alongside of you. Um, I've just, I've seen that to work the best um, for both the kids and the families. Everyone kind of comes back together, really refreshed and yeah. ready to go because I don't know about you, but everybody needs a break from their people. <laughs> you know, everybody needs a break. Siblings yeah. need a break from their people. Parents need a break from their people. And so when you can kind of make that happen for everybody and not just again, focus on, you know, us needing the the break, they need a break from each other as well. And, and I, I would just suggest that, that, um, you know, you kind of find multiple families that can come alongside you for the capacity that you need them. That's really good. Yeah, I would just uh, say, you know, for those that are just trying to start finding somebody that they can connect to or, or get to just travel along with, just start small. Just ask around, you know, who you who you know. You know, is anybody out there um, on this adoption foster care journey or parenting vulnerable kiddo? Um, Facebook is a great place to do that, too. And just start small and find maybe one family and start getting together for dinner. Um, and that's how we did it. You know, just yeah. uh, start small, get together occasionally. Then, you know, maybe invite another family along down the the road and I think you start you know as you start getting with those families you start hearing more and more and then somebody hears about your group getting together and they might say hey do you you know you want to come and join us so don't feel like it has to be this big thing it's just start somewhere start small and um and don't worry about you know feeling inadequate or that you don't have the tools or that you're not good enough because um we're all in the same place we're all learning it's it's a journey for all of us and so nobody has arrived. It's just that some people are a little further on the journey. And so they can kind of look back and say, hey, you know, this is what we did. This is what worked and what didn't. Um, and so I think the, just starting small and starting somewhere is what people we need to do. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And I think it's um, really encouraging because it can be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if I, I, again, guys, I'm not a parent, but the parents I worked with, it was like, they wanted 
the magic pill. They wanted the one thing that was going to be the thing that changed everything. And I love how both of y'all kind of talked through in different seasons, our family needed different things. And so finding what you need season by season, kid by kid, family by family, and just being willing to, to seek it out. And then I think the like, Oh, it's like hard to say because it feels hard, but the truth is that you might be educating some of the professionals that you seek care from. And so building your knowledge and your list of YouTube videos that you would love for them to hit play on your list of ETC podcasts that you would love to share. Um, but you know, just your bank of like, Hey, I read this book and it was really helpful. Um, you know, just, it's hard to have to take that advocate role, but your kids will benefit so much when you can come alongside the professionals. And then I think too, as parents, not being afraid to seek professional help yourself. Um, don't, don't be afraid of therapy, counseling, marriage counseling. Like it can be really, really tough. Like you said, Angie, in different seasons. Mm -hmm. And so going and saying, I need help. That doesn't mean it's that you're a weak or that you're a bad person, or it doesn't also mean that you'll need it forever. That's right. But we all have moments in time where we just need a little encouragement. We need support. And sometimes we need some professional help for ourselves. Yeah. And we've kind of touched on and for the kids, you know, the kids in our homes. And so I think, um, man, it was just really encouraging hearing kind of both of y'all's journeys through this. I think you experience something that a lot of parents face that moment of, Oh no, I need help. And then there's the moment of, okay, I'm having the meeting with the teacher. It's not going great because they don't understand. So I'm having to educate. And then it's, you know, years later, Angie, what a relief mm-hmm. to be able to send your kiddo to school and be like, I didn't have to have that meeting this year. Like yeah. we've come a long way. Yeah. So that journey and it'll continue, you know, on through adulthood. I called my dad crying probably two weeks ago. Like, (laughs) you know, we never stopped needing our parents and we never stopped needing our family in our village. So I love that y'all both just shared. Thank you so much for sharing with us kind of your journey and your process. Yeah. Thank y'all both so much. Um, And you know, now that you come on once, you're obligated that whenever we ask, you got to come back again. So be ready. You know, my call my company. But thank yeah. you guys both so much. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. us. Well, again, a big thanks to Jess and Angie for coming on um, and for Becca McKay, obviously, as well, uh, for being here for us. And uh, just it would encourage you to take the, the advice that was given today and be sure that you are reaching out, that you are asking for help when you need it, that you know you're not alone in this fight. Um, because as you, uh, as you feel alone, oftentimes you parent from a place of feeling alone and lonely, and that is um, not what any of us want either. And so... Uh, just just want to thank them again for coming on and just encourage you today to find your people as well. For everybody here at ETC, uh, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, uh, and for everybody here at Empowered to Connect, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the ETC podcast. Bye.